great to see you. I haven't seen you for a long time. Yeah, long, long time, Jeff. Yeah, hey, you keeping all right? Um, yeah, I'm keeping sane. Raid is super, super busy, and um, we're homeschooling. Uh, obviously, the pandemic has affected things dramatically through 2020. I mean, 2020, yep, yeah, and then into 2021. Um, you know, globally, the scuba market is really taking a hammering through this, but I'm, I'm doing well uh, out cycling, walking, haven't been for a dive for six months. Wow, that's not good, right? No, I, haven't <laughs> I haven't been in hardly, well, I think I went once last year. I did eight dives last year, I normally do 100, 150. Yeah, I know it's crazy, horrible. Um, yeah, almost. All, all my expeditions, I had to cancel out of all of the expeditions. Oh, yeah. Oh, really, really down year for, for scuba diving. But hey, it is what it is, right? F fingers crossed for latter end of next year because it's a bit slow coming back, isn't it? It is, um, but with the, um, with the uh, antivirals coming out and now we've got multiple versions of it, um, it looks like... Um, Many people are getting, many governments are getting a grip on it. Um, it's going to take a while to come back, but um, you know that's there is at least good news and there's light at the end of the uh, of the tunnel, isn't there? Whereas this time last year, it was like really doom and gloom. Um, yeah, I remember I was, I was at the, the go diving show. Um, as were you, weren't you, Jeff? You were at the go diving show. Yeah. And um, I remember walking around and asking everybody what you know, what plans they had for, for COVID. And they looked at me with, you know, they looked at me stunned, most of them. You know, what are you on about? And then obviously within a matter of weeks, it, it, it hit us. But it was now, um, we're getting good messages from around the world. Obviously, we're still getting some bad messages, but we are getting generally a, a, an upbeat feeling to 2021. So that's good, right? Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Paul, I was uh, I was just looking at your your LinkedIn um, bio, and <laughs> I, haven't uh, I haven't updated that for fancy years. No, well, none of us do, do we? <laughs> <laughs> and the photos we use are still eighteen years old, which is good, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I I only put the ones when I was young on. I never even my Facebook picture. <laughs> I think I was about thirty-five. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I was I was just reading. Uh, born in South Africa. Um, oh no! Born in England, moved, grew up in South yeah. Africa. But your first dive was just the year Jaws was released. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I remember well because my first shark dive was only two weeks after I saw Jaws. Uh, really? So, so our, our timings were pretty good there. How did it affect you with your diving? Well, I learned to dive in, I learned very late. I learned when I was uh, just nearly 31, uh, so 1996. Um, my dad took me for a tri-dive with a, an ex-military friend of his in South Africa, uh, um, just down, down near the Alamore shop. And um, I'd seen Jaws a few weeks before, uh, and I just couldn't get in the water. I was so frightened. And you won't believe this, but... Right up till 1992, I, I was in America. I was in America in 1992, um, and um, my dad went. My dad and I went snorkeling, and he was. We were in Florida, 
and there was tarpons swimming underneath us. You know, tarpon are really big. I nearly walked on the water. Four years later, I, I was an avid swimmer. I'd go and do body surfing and all that kind of stuff when we went to the coast. But I walked on the water to get out of there. I was so frightened. You wouldn't believe four years later, my friend phones me up and says, hey, we're going to learn to dive down in pool because it's, it was funded by the MVQ. All we had to do was sign up to instructors. So 10 of us went down there. I think uh, three of us went on to instructor. Several went on to dive master. But we all went down and we met up with Steve Axtell um, at Diving Leisure um, Unlimited down in pool. Phil Short was one of our instructors. I, I'm sure you know Phil Short, the explorer and technical instructor trainer. Uh, and we all became firm friends and that was it. But yeah, I went from being able to learn in beautiful South Africa to learning in pool. And it's gone full circle now because um, we, uh, we got a holiday flat down in, in Bournemouth. Uh, and, and funny enough, it came through. We, we, made, we made an offer on it prior to, to COVID and it came through during the pandemic. So when we, when we were unlocked, we spent all our time in pool. And I hooked up with my instructor trainer, Steve, and we've been riding. And now we're moving down there. So I'm going to move back to where I learned to dive, about, about two miles away from where I learned to dive. So super, super exciting, actually. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that's brilliant. And tell me, now, after all the years of diving, the experiences, um, how did RAID come about? And, and what exactly is RAID? Okay, so uh, it's a bit of a convoluted story. You can trim this in edit. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I got bit by the bug, um, scuba bug, big time in 96. I was a dive master in training in 97 when I opened my store in London. Uh, and I opened that in Battersea and that went just absolutely gangbusters. I mean, it was, a, it was an insanely good time to be in scuba. Uh, it was pre-internet, uh, mobile phones, and all of that kind of stuff. There was no, uh, there was no online selling, so it was a business model that I really, really understood. Okay, uh, we were the only dive centre within many, many miles, and, and we did super well. Uh, I realised that I was not great at um, at e-selling, e-commerce, um, so I sold the business to a really good friend of mine who actually was good at it. I then went off and started. Um, my technical company's diving matrix, um, primarily the one in Malta, which was just, it was, it was the most wonderful, wonderful time. While I was there, I got approached by SSI to become the UK training director um, by a lovely lady called Corrie. Um, and I got sent to Germany to do my training. I did my training. The guy, Mike Ange, who's a really good friend of mine, he was the training director at the time. Um, what well, I didn't realize he was resigning and then he put me up the job for, for global uh, technical um, director for SSI. I had two utterly amazing, amazing years at SSI. I mean, loads of rumors about my relationship with SSI and whenever I get given an opportunity like this, Jeff, I, I make it very, very clear. My relationship with um, Robert Stoss, who was my direct boss, um, Guido, who was my training manager, um, and Doug McNeese um, in, in the USA is still golden. Um, I'm still great friends with them. I still respect them. But they decided to make a business move where they merged with Mara's. Um, and I didn't feel um, that it was the right opportunity for me to do. Um, there was a couple of clinches in it as well. Um, I, Robert was going to resign from the company. 
um, after a few years, retire basically. And I, I didn't want to work without Robert. I found um, Robert to be, um, he was an incredible influence in those two years of my life. I loved working in close quarters with him. I loved listening to his thought patterns. I loved working with him on projects because it was really simple with Robert. You'd go in, you'd say something to him, like, I want to do this. And he'd go, and he'd be devil's advocate for half an hour. And it was yes or no, black or white, dead simple. Uh, and I just loved my two years there. And then just before we found out they were merging with Maris, which, by the way, is obviously a very clever move to make, okay? It, it's a genius move if you can pull it off, getting a training agency to work with a manufacturer like GUE Halcyon. Um, so... Um, uh, I uh, just before they sold, I got approached by Barry Coleman, who was the who is the founder of Raid, and um, he asked me if I would join him um, in picking the agency back up. I wasn't going to join him because I was so happy at, at SSI, but then <coughs> SSI chose to go with Myers, and there was a couple of other individuals who no, found themselves no longer in a position at SSI who had heard me talking about one day I'd love my own agency, and they phoned me up. So Jim phoned me up and he said, let's do it. Um, so we did it. So we approached Barry and we said, we'll, we'll buy the company off you. Within a few minutes of discussion, Barry was like, no, 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 no. You can only have 90%. I want to come along with the other 10%. And, and that was it. Raid originally started off as the Rebreather Association International Divers. So it was a, it was a company that was solely owned by Poseidon Rebreathers. And its sole aim originally was to provide a training platform for the Poseidon rebreather because when Jonas, who is the CEO, Jonas Brandt, the CEO of Poseidon, and Barry were chatting the one day, they had this warehouse full of rebreathers about to be shipped. When suddenly they realized there was no training platform for it because as you know, with rebreathers, you have to have a specific training platform. So you have to have an agency that will agree to abide by certain protocols. They form a partnership in, in a way with the, with the rebreather manufacturer. They write a specific course for that, that, that rebreather. The difference here though was that Jonas uh, and, and all the team at Poseidon had developed the first world's, in inverted commas, recreational rebreather. So the user has a minimal um, interface with the rebreather. They can't change many parameters on the rebreather. Can't add diluent, can't add oxygen, can't change the handset. They approached the major training agencies, and of course the majors were like, well, there's no such thing as a recreational rebreather. It's a rebreather or it's, or it's not. And we, we're not, we don't feel confident going with you. So effectively Barry set off and he put together RAID. He put it together as a digital platform really, really smartly. Um, number one, um, it's, it's, it's obviously state of the art. Number two, there are no books. So the... The big thing about having no books when the Poseidon came out, and I don't know if you remember this, mate, but um, when that rebreather came out, it was getting software updates sometimes twice a day because as it was moving more and more in the field, because it's got such advanced um, electronic um, technology inside it, um, they were finding that if the rebreather was left in the cold and went diving in the warm or was left in the warm and went diving in the cold, it would have different... Uh, effects on the rebreather and you'd have certain warnings come up and that rebreather is a go no go rebreather if they'd have produced books for their training they would they would not have been able to print more than a run of you know 10 and then they'd have had to reprint 
and reprint. Whereas with a digital platform, what they could do is they could go in and say, we're now on version 46 of our software. This is how the rebreather um, um, behaves. Um, the, so they, let's say they changed a T-piece or they changed a, a vital piece on the rebreather, they could change it. And the training agency and the rebreather could grow together. It was a fantastic concept. Uh, and hats off to, to Barry for, for putting that together because it was a stroke of genius. Obviously, the Poseidon goes down a storm in the industry. Everybody wants to be a Poseidon instructor. I was a paddy course director at the time. I jumped straight into rape because they were the only one who was offering the rebreather. And a few years later, obviously, the major training agencies are like, hang on a minute. How many of our instructors are with RAID? Uh, why don't we just take on the rebreather? So, and, and it's a smart move. You know, they, they waited it out to see what the kind of incident rate would be, how safe the rebreather is, what their liability exposure would be. And, of course, they approached Poseidon said, we want to take it on, but there's a conflict of interest. You can't have a manufacturer and a training agency which is quite a laugh considering that you've now, it's industry standard, SSI Mares and GUE Halcyon, and, and there will be, I'm sure there'll be more relationships formed as, as time goes on. So Barry basically took Raid by himself, but obviously at that time, um, people like myself being really honest, I jumped straight out of Raid uh, back into Paddy because it, you know I, I had everything at, kind of at Paddy that I needed at the time. Um, the other reason I jumped was Barry and Jonas were actually way far, too far ahead of their time. Because it's a, um, a web-based platform, if you didn't have good Wi-Fi, which in 2010, you did not, it was nothing like it is now. You know, you remember back in 2010, it was still a wire that went into most computers to give you Wi-Fi. Well, when you're downloading and doing quizzes and exams online, they frequently fall over, and it was very frustrating, whereas paper was, was really good. So we took over RAID, long story short. <laughs> we took over RAID, um, and then we worked diligently on... Um, Barry had started recreational open circuit courses and a few technical open circuit courses, and then what we did was we just consolidated we revamped and revitalized, and then off we went. And now we offer a full range of freediving products. We offer um, recreational scuba from open water right the way through to instructor trainer in, in very, very similar format to all the other agencies. We offer all the specialties. We offer open circuit tech, closed circuit tech, um, cave, rec, ice. We offer everything. So we've got a full complement of, of programs where translated into multiple languages as well. We have a wonderful team of distributors who take care of our translations globally. And um, we're certified by, well, I think, I don't know if certified is the right name, um, but we're, we're, we're with the EUF ISO, so we've, we've achieved certification there. We're, with, um, we're a, a full voting member of the WRSTC, the Recreational Scuba Training Council, the ERSTC, we sit on the Rebreather Training Council, where, I'm, where RAID is a founder member. So we're a, like a full A-grade um, agency now. And that's, that's pretty much your history, basically. <laughs> wow. That's quite a story. And, and, yeah. and actually what you've done during that is just about answer every question I had set for you. <laughs> <laughs> so you saved me a lot of work. Thank you. That's absolutely perfect. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, when it get when it gets to kind of the history and what is Ray, there's no simple way of telling it because it's such a wonderful story. Actually, yeah. so many you know wonderful people coming in and out of it. You know, um, and and if you look at the people who are involved with Poseidon now and at that time, and the people who were involved in Raid now and at that time, you know, you just you're picking you know names out of the of the hat that are, are, are utterly unbelievable. You know, the real echelon of scuba were involved with that whole whole process. So to say that we're proud of Raid would be an understatement. You know, um, now what we want to do is we just want to, you know, what we've done in 2020 is really plow the the company forward. Um, taking advantage, you know, I know that, that sounds really awful, but we've we've taken a lot of advantage of um, the, the pandemic and how that affects scoop, the scuba industry. The scuba training agencies have shown them themselves up, and that's across the board, and it is only my humble opinion, but they've shown themselves up for how fragile they actually are. Um, you know, we rely on things like memberships, um, they're a vital part of um, of keeping the company running. Um, we um, uh, we you know we have we have RMs who are used to face to face visits. Um, our training platform is all face to face, and and the pandemic has really affected it dramatically. So mm-hmm. we've had to come up with really good concepts. Um, so the first one we came up with was free learning, which is basically access to any of our products. It does not provide you with certification, does not provide you with the, um, any um, interaction with an instructor, but it does allow you access to our complete range of, of programs, even up to some of the instructor trainer programs, so that you can just download, you register, you download them for free, and in your downtime, so if you're furloughed or if you're off work or you can't dive and you're bored and you just want to participate and maybe up your knowledge, go and participate. And what we've done is we've developed it so that our dive centers and our instructors can utilize it. So there's no financial burden on them until they begin the physical act of certification. So going in the water, doing the skills and getting that diver certified. They can actually go through all the academics on rate. You know, so they can, the, the student can pick a free learning course. So the register pick a free learning course, associate themselves to a dive center make communications with the dive center. The dive center can allocate them in, uh, an instructor and via Zoom, RingCentral, GoToMeeting, Skype, WhatsApp, video, whatever, the instructor can begin working through all the academics and preparing that diver. And there's no cost for, to that instructor. RAID does not charge them. We will only charge them once they start to process the certification because RAID is a certification agency. It's not a bookmaking agency. The, when you buy a course from us, the certification is attached to it. The intellectual property, the books, right, although extremely valuable and they cost us an extremely huge amount of money to put together, obviously, like any, any writing does, they are what we would consider a byproduct of the certification. They're, they're, they're one of the processes that you would have to go through to certification. But we, are, we want to be known as a certification agency. Now, that doesn't mean you just get your certification, um, but it does mean that if that's our ethos, then free learning can become part of that ethos. You know? Because at the end of the day, how, if, I, if you sign up for a course, Jeff, how hard is it for you to send, send – I mean, you download our manuals in PDF. You can, you can then send it to all of your friends, can't you? Send it to everyone. Yeah, so, absolutely. 
Yeah. You can't, you can't hide intellectual property. It's impossible. No. So why hide it? So we just had this brainstorm and we were like, hang on, let's do free learning. Then we got challenged with, actually, there are some courses that you can do um, on a Zoom meeting like this. For example, the equipment specialty I can do with you. There's no, there's no in water time on it. Um, some of the ecological programs we can do face to face. And then we had this brainstorm. We were like, what are all the courses that we do that are absolutely dry, where there's no mandatory dive? Perhaps there's an optional dive, but it's not mandatory. Of course, nitrox popped up into our head. So we sat down, we brought in um, uh, James and Simon from our, um, from our Singapore, Malaysia, Brunei, what else do they run? Indonesia, Maldives team. They are very, very tech savvy. And we said to them, we want to do nitrox. But obviously, you need to analyze gas. So they designed a very, very simple app that is a virtual nitrox analyzer. So our instructors were able, that the instructor had to have a real nitrox analyzer. And of course, the student will go back to a dive center. What They'll be certified, but when they go and do their first fill, they're going to do an analysis and a nitrox log and marking up the cylinder anyway. So all we did is we went through that process with the student. We asked them to do some markings. The analyzer um, uh, analyzes several gases, preset gases. You can hear it hissing. Uh, it throws up faults. It throws up questions. So it'll say, if you want a 28%, it'll, it'll have a 287 a 29, uh, sorry, a 30 option and a 26 option, you know, and it's asking you to choose because it's asking you to round up or down by the 1%. It's a really, really smart app. So then remote learning went bonkers. Um, then we were like, we need to get some marketing. So we got together with the guys from Scuba Diver and we brought out the Edge magazine, um, which has been fantastic. And of course, Scubaverse have been utterly superb with, with us, with our, with our own little publication. Um, it's not just about RAID, it's about, it's about diving in general, but at the back of the magazine, it gives us an opportunity to have um, training updates and information about new courses and protocols and what have you. So it's basically like um, Paddy's Undersea Journal um, on steroids, um, uh, in, in my opinion, as informative, but a bit more exciting because there's, there's a lot more stuff for the diver. And, and at RAID, we try not to differentiate between professionals and divers. We want them to all have access to, you know, as much as possible. Obviously, a diver can't teach, but why can a diver not have the general diving standards? Why can a diver not read the same newsletter that an instructor does? You know, the more the diver knows about the course they're about to participate in or a training platform, the more likely they are to participate. So the edge has been wonderfully successful. Uh, and then, of course, as we come, we had our renewal in October, um, which Jim Holiday came up with this, I think, or, 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 um, or Barry. But the idea of an October renewal is... Most certifications in the world get processed in the Northern Hemisphere. It's just a fact, okay, because you've got everything from Asia to uh, North America, to, to, the, to the Americas, and 
and let's face it, Mexico and all of that band, they, they're in an equatorial, so they're all good. But North America, the North Hemisphere does most of the certifications in the world. And during, uh, during the, the summer months, they end around about October. So we were like, well, when's the best time for an instructor to pay them? And it's probably when they've got some money in their pocket rather than the December renewal date, which is dead in the middle, middle of the Northern Hemisphere winter. But even more so, they've just bought their family and their friends Christmas presents and they've laid on a party and bought a turkey and participate. They don't have the cash to just throw around. So come October, of course, we're dead in the middle of the pandemic. So we extended the membership for three months on us. We gave all of our members three, three months membership. Um, and of course, now we've reached December and, and now we'll see, you know, what happens with membership renewals as we move forward. Um, but, you know, one message that everyone needs to understand is we're not blind at rate. Um, you know, we are watching this very, very closely um, and we are, we are working on, on, on trying to, you know, help as much as possible. Uh, you know, it would be wonderful if, if we could just turn around and, and provide an assistance package to all of our dive centers. But unfortunately, that's millions and millions of dollars that we just simply don't have, you know. Um, so we're just, we're just trying our best within our means as a kind of mid-level training agency to just look after as many people as possible. I, I, I can't even begin to tell you how many dive centers locally, I mean, globally, I have spoken to um, over the last um, 12 months. Uh, we've, we've, every one of the staff has put their back into it. If we've got a, an upset instructor or an upset dive center, they can talk to the president. No, no problems whatsoever. I'll make 15 minutes to talk to you. Uh, so there oh, we are. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, so we, sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, no, you go ahead, sir. No. Um, I, that, wow. Just, just, uh, as a, uh, just a very small question. I mean, what is what is your best-selling course right now? Um, Do you have one? Open Water Diver has been, you know, constantly our bestseller, um, like any training agency. Funnily enough, the stats are telling us that in 2020, the big increases um, were seen in technical, um, so we had many divers move into that arena because there are, there are um, lower ratios. They've, perhaps these divers have wanted to try it. They've furloughed. <coughs> um, the instructors are teaching at even lower ratios. Um, the instructors are not, working, you know, are not working every single day. So the divers have, have had the opportunity to get into tech. What we have also seen is that instructors who've been meaning for one reason or another to get into rebreathers or twin sets or side mounts, but have been so busy at work and are now furloughed. They've gone, heck, why don't we just get our education up there? And when COVID's gone and we can start to work again and travel, why don't we go back to the dive center as a much better qualified um, instructor? So we found them starting to participate in instructor specialties, technical diver, then moving into technical instructor, lots of rebreather stuff. Um, so really that's where we've seen a, a huge increase. We've seen quite a dramatic increase in freediving as well. Um, 
probably because there, you know, there's there's quite a lot of differences in terms of interaction. You know, they they don't do a pre-dive safety check where one diver breathes off the other diver's regulator. Okay, because um, you can't do that with a snorkel. There's no point. Okay, <laughs> they don't have an estrel where the that where a diver is sitting in the water and they check both of their regulators. So in both of those incidents, you've got in a buddy check, you've got someone else breathing from one of your regulators to check it works and to, to check the orientation just in case they need gas. And then the estrel, you're checking both of them. So there's a lot of this perceived contamination. And I say the word perceived in, in the loosest possible terms because there is still no record that a communicable disease has been passed through a scuba regulator underwater, certainly not to my, my knowledge. Um, however, it's our duty to keep our divers safe. So <clears throat> we've had to make some fundamental changes with some of the skills that we do uh, and some of the protocols that we brought in for when we can teach. Whereas free diving, they don't have those same protocols. So they've been a lot more open um, to teach where, wherever you know, social distancing and, and the governmental rules can be maintained. Uh, so those, those are our real big ones. Obviously, learn to dive, I would say, you know, I shouldn't really be speaking on behalf of all the training agencies, but I would have thought learn to dive across the board is down quite dramatically. Um, in certain areas, perhaps not so much, but certainly in, you know, your Asia's, Asia, Maldives, Red Sea, big travel destinations with beautiful blue oceans where they used to see lots of um, fly-ins, places like Caymans, I, you know, my, my, my friend uh, runs, a, a couple of my friends run a couple of really nice dive centers in, in, um, in the Caymans. They've been pretty badly affected because the cruise liners are no longer coming in, so they're not getting their two, three, four thousand tri-dives a year. Um, and of course, once those tri-dives are completed, if the customer really enjoys themselves, which invariably they do, and they pick another holiday, they will go back to those places. So, you know, they'll, they'll go back and and learn to dive. Those, those have been really, really affected. Um, because <clears throat> unfortunately, it would be great if we, could, if we could bottle how you and I feel when we go into cold, green water. You know, we still get mass, I still get massive, massive uh, enjoyment out of it. You know, going wreck diving in England, going wreck diving, uh, you know, in, in cold, temperate waters is not really something that puts me off. Um, I don't like to freeze, but diving, generally speaking, if you Google diving, you're not going to find uh, some rusty wreck uh, in 30 meters of water off the south coast of, of England. You know, you're going to find the Thistleborn or you're gonna find some beautiful Caribbean destination. And that is unfortunately what divers have become accustomed to. So it is gonna take a time to recover because the scuba diving industry is, is part of the travel industry, really, isn't it? It's a small cog in the, in, the, in the travel industry network. And until the travel industry gets up off its feet, we're going to, as an industry, have to face those, those hurdles and overcome them. Um, you know, so staycation is going to become a massive thing. I, I don't know if you've read The Edge, but we had all of our distributors write a small piece on what actually happens in their countries, just so that a user reading it is sitting in London and he goes, oh, wow, you know, this is not so bad. And yeah, I can afford a dry suit. 
I don't mind that the visibility is not that bad. I'll get on those boats. When those boats go back out, I'll go. Or if Paul or James or someone else is going out for a dive off the shore of Chesil or somewhere else, I'll go with him. I'll go out to Stony Cove. You know, so, but to change that mindset, it's not so easy, right? Diving in a pair of uh, board shorts and a rash vest and a BCD versus dry suit, dry gloves, hood, yeah, it's not just the expense, it's the change of the mindset of the diver. So these are challenges we faced with, but we will face them. I, I can almost guarantee you that all of the dry suit manufacturers in the world have seen a massive uptick in sales of dry suits. I'll absolutely guarantee you that. We've seen a huge uptick in dry suit courses. I'm sure because, you're absolutely right. Yeah, because the, the diver who's sitting on the fence, who's like, I don't actually mind going into cold water. Um, yeah. All I need to do is buy a dry suit, some thick gloves and a nice thick hood and, you know, learn the, the motor functions and to deal with the, the, re, the, the reduced dexterity a little bit, I'm off. Um, so, you know, you will see a, a, an uptick there, but it's not going to be overwhelmingly the, the majority. I heard a stat that um, something like uh, 60% of all open water divers in the United Kingdom were certified outside of England. Now, I know that is slightly terrifying. Yeah, well, it's it's. I don't know if I'd go so far as terrifying, but it it's certainly wow. How do we entice those? Even ten percent of those sixty, twenty percent of those sixty percent well, of those divers. It's slightly slightly fr um, frightening when you find yourself diving with somebody who's never been in cold water, never had a dry suit on before, doesn't really understand what currents and tides are uh, and poor visibility, but they have the certification. Yeah. And it's, it's only when you get in water that um, you discover all this of what it should be. Yeah, I think uh, one of the projects we've been working on is not so much a certification. We're, we're, we're starting to look at all sorts of things around the certification. Um, that can be utilized by the diving industry at large. You know, so it doesn't, doesn't matter to me if a PADI or SSI or TDI or NAWI or whoever diver wants to participate in or use something that we have, you know. Um, I want to, we want to develop a bunch of tools that will enable instructors um, to actually keep people diving. You know, so how do you put together, do you need to have a certification for an intro to cold water diving or limited vis diving? Do you need to do a night or limited vis special specialty and a dry suit specialty? Or could you participate, so you're already a dry suit diver, could you participate in a kind of orientation to your local diving? Um, those are the kind of things that we need to start looking at if this thing keeps going and and i know that many many in, innovative instructors out there some of my friends have told me that they have been doing this regularly so they sell the guy a dry suit or the girl a dry suit they teach that person to dive um and then uh, so they're safe using the dry suit and then they say right let's have an orientation to what's actually like out there so you can get together with your friends and head off by yourself and participate in the sport so you're comfortable jumping on a boat out of England, you know what the protocols are, you know what currents are, you know DSMBs, you know all of these little rules and regulations 
prior to getting there and being actually afraid of, of, of venturing out on your own. Because you know, that's another thing about, um, about the sport. Uh, and it, it's, it's frequent in any adventure sport. While the student is being educated, they're very, very comfortable. But once the education finishes and they no longer have the instructor there, um, there's a reticent to participate in the sport. So the one thing that we've started to do, and, and Steve Lewis, our training director, has been pivotal in this, we've started to make the final dive on many of our courses a student-led dive. So the instructor is just floating in the water just in case, you know. Very good. Yeah, there's, Very no, good. there's no stage skills. <clears throat> The instructor's just one of their buddies. He's in a buddy team. Obviously, he's in a very advantageous position. Um, and uh, the, the students are now participating with the instructor, really looking at their dive plan, looking at the ex execution of the dive plan, giving them a really good debriefing offer. The first one that we tried this was, was, was our CAVE program. And it's been a winner because I remember when I became CAVE qualified, that first CAVE dive without my wonderful instructors that taught me down in Mexico was a bit of a hair raising, you know, you're kind of like, okay, so I hope that tie is going to work. And I hope that tie is going to, where's the gold line? I remember looking for the main line in the cave for about 20 minutes because I had no idea where it was. Um, you know, I could read the map, but it has stick maps or, you know, and those little maps are quite difficult. It just takes a little while. Um, so, those are kind of the things that we can do as an industry. You know, so for instructors, adding an extra dive to the open water course post-certification to let the student run the dive so that they feel comfortable venturing off on, on their own, that would be a fantastic platform for us to see scuba, um, you know, move forward. Because at the end of the day, education is one thing. It's participation. That's everything, isn't it? You know, if you think... I'm diving, I, I remember this dive vividly. I was in the Red Sea, I was with a bunch of my buddies. We'd done Thomas Canyon, so we'd done, we'd done the best part of 100 meters. We'd come out of the canyon, we're on rebreathers, we're floating up, this, this group comes swimming past us at 30 meters, we all wave, about 20 meters, we're on decoing up there, another group comes past us, we wave, then another, then we wave. And at six meters, we're, we're sitting at six meters for like an hour to decompress. And uh, a group of recreational divers come and the instructor recognized us and he brought them over. So we took our stages off and clipped them on the divers and you know, they were swimming around and we showed them our gear and it was wonderful. It, was, it really made me think that, you know, we, I didn't know or care what organization they were affiliated to. I didn't care what equipment they were wearing. I didn't care what certification level they were. I was just overjoyed to be in the water with a bunch of divers. It was just, it's wonderful. And that's the kind of thing that we need to do. Getting your open water certificate is the most important passport in the world because it gives you access to 70% of the world. You know, I've got a British passport right now after Brexit, it gives me access to, you know, a few islands, you know, I mean, let's be honest, your passport is quite limiting, whereas an open water 20 certification allows you access to all the waterways around the world. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to have. And when someone says to me, I'm only open water, I get quite sad about that because 
they shouldn't. They should. I am an open water diver. You know, who cares whether you're a trimix instructor, trainer, 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 and you've got 14 rebreathers stuck on your back. You know, if I could dive in a single tank, seriously, if I could dive in a single tank and do the expeditions that I do, I would do it. You know? <laughs> of course. Yeah, the reason I wear all the rebreathers and side mount rebreathers and all this, yeah, I, I love them, um, but they are complex. Um, and yeah, they, they are there really, first and foremost, as a necessity to maintain my life and keep me safe. You know? um, but the joy of swimming around on a single tank, let's not underestimate it, right? It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So, yeah, there's... A, there's the, the pandemic has thrown up a lot of really crazy things. And I think the trick is wherever possible. And of course, some people have been infected by, uh, affected by this so terribly mm -hmm. um, that finding a silver, silver lining is nigh or impossible. We've been very, very lucky with our relationship with Calcome, who are the company that own us. They've kept us moving forward. They've kept all our staff in place. They've kept our distributors happy and busy. We've brought out some great, great initiatives and, We've managed to at HQ, you know, try and look after as many people as we possible, possibly can on a personal um, basis and, and make the best out of, out of this pandemic so that when we come out of this, all the initiatives that we brought out will, you know, they're basically future proof. We're not going to take any of these initiatives away. You know, so free learning's up there, free learning's there for life, remote learning, remote learning's there for life, the edge is there for life, the newsletters will be there for life, we're not just releasing these things as a, you know, tiny little thing to help you through the pandemic, we wanted to go, well, if we're going to release it in a pandemic, what difference does it make in the future, and let's be honest, financial crisis, geographical crisis, you know, all of these things happen day in and day out, don't they, hurricanes blow in, you know, e economies collapse, there's terrorism, there's all sorts of things that affect our industry on a day-to-day -day basis. So if we can weather a pandemic, you know, how strong will, will we all be in this industry from, from diver right the way through up to the industry stakeholders? How strong could we be at the end of this? That's, that's what I'm very interested in. And, you know, I'm, I'm a very positive thinker. And what we've done with my team is we've made the team as positive as possible. You know, so that we can really try and weather this awful storm. Yeah, indeed, absolutely, Paul. Paul, it's been a pleasure talking thank with you. you. And uh, thank you very much for your insight, not only into Rave, but, you know, the whole dive industry. Absolutely fascinating. Um, and a great insight too, may I say. Perfect. Thank you very much. I'll say goodbye for now and um, hopefully we'll be able to meet up at some point soon. Let's hope so, Jeff. It's been a long time, mate. Yeah. All right. Well, look, you take care now. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.